Welcome to this series of podcasts for FinTech CTO Club, a community where tech executives learn and share best leadership practices. Here, Vasil Soloschuk, CEO of Insart and the author of FinTech CTO Club, will discuss burning topics on the FinTech product development arena with the technical leaders in the industry. Today it's episode 18 of our podcast. Our guest today is Diego Blanco, Digital Channels Director at BBVA, a bank holding company providing international wealth management, investments and banking services. Okay, so uh, my very first question is, could you please introduce uh, yourself and uh, tell us what's your background and specifically in the financial world and what is your current role? Yeah. Okay, yeah, thank you, Vasil. Uh, my name is Diego Blanco, and uh, I mean, my background, I'm a computer engineer. I got my degree in Spain, and then I was working my master's degree in order to be able to, to teach at a university, and I was also working on uh, my PhD around social network simulation, that unfortunately, for many reasons, and being the most relevant, moving to the U.S., I have to set aside until I have time to, to retake. So... I started my career working in consultancy companies uh, in Spain. Uh, I moved to different companies, playing different roles uh, in the development area as a, as a technical analyst, as a software engineer. I was specialized also in, in testing, where I led several roles in, in a British company called Net Decisions, where I was I working around the world in different projects, helping them to move on in, in developing and Geared strategies around how to test software. Uh, like nine years ago, I was offered the opportunity to move to the financial uh, arena, joining a, a big Spanish uh, institution where I could lead the role of, of a, a program manager officer. So I could work with them in designing, which was going to be the work to be performed in different channels. And from there, uh, I moved to BBBA where I've been playing different roles, being the liaison between technology and business, uh, leading different type of technical projects over there also. And finally, uh, I moved to the API arena around the year 2004, 2005, where I was challenged about creating an integration based on services for, uh, for one of our, for, for our banks in, in Chile. And where we were working in, to be able to work with Facebook, you know, the two originate accounts by, by using this platform. That project opened me the, the, the doors to, to get a call from, from BBVA in the U.S., where I was invited to join as a technical leader of a, a very ambitious um, API platform. And, and I came to the U.S. in the year 2014 to, to work on that. Our purpose was to build an APF platform, a financial API platform that would allow us to integrate with different customers. One of our first customers was Duola. This is a fintech company based in Iowa. And, and basically we created what would be the first platform to integrate with them. And that was like uh, my starting role as a CTO of, of this, of this uh, part of the bank is this API platform that would allow us to, to start serving not only this customer, but also some others 
in order to leverage what the bank does best, which is financial, uh, but open to integrate and work with different fintech companies to, to use these capabilities. So this is a little bit of a quick overview of what I've been doing and how I got here. Okay, okay, so that's great, thank you. Um, so uh, at the moment, how big, how big is the engineering uh, organization or team that you manage? Well, yes, I forgot to mention something. So I, um, I've been, I changed recently jobs here within the bank. So I left the API arena and I moved to some uh, business decision area where we are working on the different digital channels in the bank, leveraging the customer facing application in the different channels and leveraging also the technical capabilities of the APIs that the bank has itself. So uh, answering your question, uh, when we were working on, on this API platform, we moved from one person that was me to a 60 people team distributed around two continents because we had a big distribution in Spain into different uh, sites and in the US also into different sites. So this was the size of the team and we have kind of 20% of the team here in the US and 80% and of the team working remotely from, from Spain mostly. Okay, okay. So, uh, and what would you name the main challenges uh, of uh, your role, uh, maybe of your previous roles and currently? I mean, it's the, the, the challenges for, for managing that team mostly came from the time shift, mm -hmm. how to be able to work with, with a team in, in that is separated up to nine hours, mm -hmm. because some of their code ownership was held in San Francisco and, and the rest of the team being in Spain, there was a nine, nine hour time shift. So the biggest challenge out of educating the people in, in ways of work remotely where you should leave your things wrap up the, at the end of the day so someone else could retake them next day uh, was, was just trying to work through that. Okay, I mean, there are plenty of technologies that help us to, to do that today, but but educating the people to be able to use those and to get there, it was a, it was a big challenge. And then eventually it was pretty successful. So uh, maybe could you tell us how, uh, how did you structure the team and uh, what the most, what's your opinion about how yeah. better to structure yeah. maybe like several cross-functional teams or not, or what's your approach here? Yeah, so, uh, <clears throat> I mean, we started with one big team, okay. okay. But but as as we as, as we started uh, trying to uh, fine tune our approach to to building uh, services, we we distributed the team around tribes, so that every team could be focused on one functional capability, end to end. Meaning that uh, we had the business analysts, the technical leaders, the developers, but also we were having the team that was integrating this API platform with the backend system to the bank. That was a critical piece. So instead of relying on other teams helping us to do that, basically we, we integrated those capabilities within the team. And, and these teams were the responsible. Let's say, I mean, you're working with a backend system, with a host system that you're integrating there. So we had host developers in each of the teams helping us with a pretty great deal of flexibility about working one team or the other. And this team were responsible to ensure that everything that was being done 
was properly aligned with other projects, other initiatives. So, I mean, this, these teams were pretty much self-organized. So we eventually had around four teams that were full verticals around functionality. We have some cross functions, such as DevOps, because it was very complicated to have a dedicated team of DevOps participating in each of those. So that was across functional. We had some architecture function that was also cross-functional, basically in order to ensure that all the needs that could come from the different teams around the platform that was being built was being taken care of in order to serve the needs of the teams. So it took some time, and let's say that it took around one year or so to fine-tune all this model and the growth also, because I mean, there was one year when we moved from five people to 25, I mean, almost overnight because of the needs. And although it takes some, it took some time to adjust, eventually it was a model that, that worked like a charm. I mean, it does, this team worked in an agile way. They were uh, working in, in a way that we could deliver things every week. So okay. our purpose is, I don't want, I mean, our focus was always delivery, delivery, delivery. So we were trying to automate everything. We were trying to create everything that was necessary. And every week something had to be released we tested, I mean, perhaps they were not final products, but that was not the purpose, it was to show progress and to give the people also the feeling that, I mean, you need to deliver. It's, you cannot wait because when you have wider time frames, two weeks, three weeks, sometimes it's over until the last week, we don't have to, to really work hard to get things done. So, and I mean, sometimes we were successful, some others were not, but, but this created certain good stress in the team because they could see also the results. And this also was really good when we were working with the product team in order to, to show progress. So back fixing was easy, delivering new functionality was easy. I mean, every, all the process was pretty much a streamlined. Okay, okay. So my next question is, um, so actually we're talking with many different FinTech companies and they're structured like, you know, they have a product team, they have engineering teams so the product team talks to the clients and get uh, feedbacks and set requirements. And then engineering team implements uh, the solution and new features according to the, you know, prioritized requirements. Uh, but, you know, like in, 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 a, in a bigger financial organization like, uh, uh, like uh, your company, so what's the difference? What would you name the major differences between like a uh, smaller fintech company and working in a bigger financial organization and uh, like, uh, like yourself? So what would you name like yeah. the major differences for the engineering team actually? Yeah, I mean, uh, the big difference is, is about the degrees of, of liberty that you get around what you're building. When you're in a fintech company, I mean, it's, most of the things you have a, a lot of capability about deciding how to do things or not. When you're in a big company, I mean, you have a bigger context. Normally you are embedded into some existing frameworks or architectures or way of doing things. So trying to create something new as, as this product was, it challenges a lot of the, the, the things that the bank is doing. Let me give you some examples. So, Mm -hmm. Well, we were born with, with ATDD in mind, with continuous integration and with continuous deployment. And everything that we wanted to do was in that direction. When I was talking with people that were managing the deliverables that we could have every week or, or every two weeks, it was like uh, talking in another language saying, hey, every day you can deploy things. 
and you can automatically roll it back. It was, so there is, technically there's a lot of restrictions. Culturally, there's even more because, I mean, it's, you need to, to deal with a lot of, of colleagues here that perhaps have not been that much exposed or they haven't had the opportunity to, to work on that. So there's a cultural challenge. There is also some technical challenge because you're trying to bring in our case, we're trying to bring the cloud to the bank or integrate the cloud with the bank. And there were not that many products in the US being worked around the cloud in that time. So there is also this, this challenge, the, the system that, that makes different when you're working and you don't need to, to explain why you're taking certain decisions and how can that impact what you have in that moment. And this was what this project got really interesting because the idea was to create this FinTech model within a very, very well-established company. But those were the two major challenges. And there is another one, which is not technical, okay. but which is very relevant, which is all around compliance, legal risk, and fraud. Those, those four pillars are critical in, in the financial industry in a way that it's not just building technology. It's also building technology that, that it stays under those four pillars. Being in a high regulated industry, they do that. So we learned that in earlier stages, basically, when we were trying to be that crazy fintech doing things that no one else had done before, and suddenly we say, hey, no, no, you can do this because of this. You have this reggae that you have to follow up. You have to do the AAP. I mean, there's a lot of things that you say, what the hell? And, and suddenly you notice how relevant they are. And how relevant if you work in order to address that from a fintech perspective, let me say so, uh, if you take all that into account, it's way easier to grow instead of first building the technology and then trying to accommodate all these other steps. This was also a major change. For the bank, this is pretty natural. For a big company, it's pretty natural. But the technology is heavily influenced also by this element. So you don't think of this or you're not as much concerned in the earlier stages when you're building your stuff until you phase them. But here you have to, in, in a big company, you have to tackle with that from the very beginning. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So thank you for uh, sharing this. And uh, so the next question I have uh, is about selecting the right technologies to implement the, the software solution and software products. So what's your approach here? So how do you, how do you select the technology stack? So what technology stack do you prefer? the most uh, maybe for different types of solutions. And uh, so what's, what's your approach here? And also taking into account, you know, the technologies are uh, getting outdated and you need to deal also with the technical depth. Um, so what's, what's your experience on that? So, I mean, it's, uh, with, I mean, the first thing when we were thinking about building uh, API platforms, it's about the, the possibility of, of use Cloud technology. We wanted something that that was oriented to to broad scale, to get us out of a data center that would allow us to explore how to create a services in a different way, but at the same time very relevant, integrated with a, with an existing platform. Okay, so all the thing that we wanted to find out is which is the best platform out there that could help us to go and to serve it. So we're looking to different cloud providers, and we found that at that moment, Amazon seemed 
kind of the best fit for what we needed to do. And the year 2014 is the companies were not as mature as they are today. At, I mean, at the level that Google has or, or Microsoft has evolved. So, so Amazon seemed uh, a great bet for us. So we went there. Second thing was try to create the best um, technical safeguard for our services. How we put there a layer, a security layer that can ensure that everything that we are exposing there is not compromised, which was a big fear. Like, hey, building financial services or creating accounts and all that is a minor thing. So you need a good piece of security. And, and we started exploring some API managers that we could use in order to to implement the solution, but I mean, it's, we wanted to have kind of an API control. We wanted to have the possibility of establish quotas. We want to be able to establish velocity around the consumption of, of our services. I mean, all those things just drove us to try to find some API gateway over there that could help us to, to move on. But there was, I mean, there were many tools, but none of them included the security as part of the solution. So after several tries with API platforms uh, trying to find the best security element, we, we built it in-house. The bank had a lot of um, work around building API layers, and we decided that the best option for us was to use it. It was a big success because, I mean, suddenly we had a team helping us to build a secure API layer built in-house. But we got to this decision after exploring what was out there in the market. Things have changed a lot. I mean, perhaps today with the existing capabilities over there, we could take a different decision, but that seems to be the, the best. And, and in the long term, I think it has been a great option. We were responding to the cloud. We were working with Amazon because Amazon seemed to be the best fit. And so far, they have been great. For every step that we took, I mean, it's, hey, when we were working in about building our own infrastructure of code, the question was, well, and but do select here because Amazon was bringing their own uh, building capabilities that we had also, we could use Chad, we could use Papad. Uh, there was a lot, there were a lot of platforms there or, or, or APIs or SDKs or whatever that could help us to move on. So basically in that end, the DevOps team basically decided what was the first, the, the best to, to be used there, the most flexible. Should we move to containers? managed by a cloud, should we move to containers managed by Kubernetes? I mean, there were a lot of things, and, and this is space, you know how fast it changes. So, so, I mean, I can say that at least we changed 30 to 50% of the stack in, in every one of the three iterations that I was working with the platform. Okay, okay? so, and, and in every step you do that. Of course, we started having, uh, or using just infrastructure as a service, mm -hmm. that we were building everything manually. In the second iteration, we started creating the scripts to manage that, and then I started using the Amazon APIs. Okay. In the third iteration, I mean, basically everything was built from a script numerous times based on containers. Uh, we had also changed about the technology. I mean, it's, should we use Java? Should we use Python? Should we use, I mean, it's, you know, there's plenty of flavors over there. Yes. I let the programmers over there or the architects decide about that. It's what are you familiar with? At the end of the day, I mean, this technology has its own challenges. So there are different pieces there. And for the pieces that were more suitable to be done with Java or had a better integration with existing backend systems, we could use that. For some other pieces, we were using Python because it was easier, faster. I mean, it's, 
we have we have tackled with a lot of, of different alternatives here. But I mean, if, if there is some common ground here, it has been the capabilities that, that Amazon has provided us. And let me just highlight one example is the, I mean, because of privacy, we have to use a lot of, of ciphering of information for storage and transit. So we could not find any good solution. There was a market solution. And finally, in one of these situations, Amazon came with a solution around key management. Okay. And it was amazing because just solving one single step, all the problems that we have about how to cipher, how to ensure that if we change regularly the ciphers as we are required to, we can still retrieve the data and all that. So that was the moment where we decided, okay, we need to evolve this to a more um, easy platform to manage that. So it has not only been the change because we were needing something else, but also finding that there were good solutions out there that could help us, that we have gone gathered those and integrated within our platform. Has been this to flow of adoption of, of the platform and technology to get there. Yeah, so got it. So thank you for this answer. And, you know, um, in relation to this, uh, so could you, I mean, in financial technology world, uh, there are so many, uh, you know, solutions uh, based on the integrations uh, uh, with uh, some other APIs like market data providers or payment systems and many companies they build uh, their own APIs. Uh, so based on your experience, what uh, uh, could you advise like the best practices to build the API um, to make you know the life of the uh, of your users easier uh, and the integrations uh, more seamless uh, because there are some yeah. many issues can uh, occur when you start integrating with some API, like uh, maybe uh, different uh, descriptions or you know not not clear data or you know many yeah. other challenges. What would you advise? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I mean it's yeah there for I mean all the APIs are REST, all the APIs are JSON, mm -hmm. and those two are kind of Whereas was some basic assumption that I mean has shown because when we started there was still a lot of XML integration based on, on web services. But I mean it's the REST has been the answer to everything. So that has been the direction and was one driver for our decisions. Mm -hmm. So the, the second thing um, was I mean the quality of the API is fundamental. And the capability to to manage and mask any any issue happening underneath being on your own platform or being on a third-party integration that you could have uh, the end you want to manage your the way that you want to to deal with those issues so although sometimes seem redundant create a, a your own api layer with a good documentation and put that in a portal so that your customers can access to that is also for me an advisable way of dealing with it it's not overly complicated. I mean, perhaps your API is just a, a wrapping, but at least you want to ensure that if you need to change any of the pieces or the provider that is giving you some solution, please alleviate any pressure about, about those changes. It's critical. I mean, that's what the API does. It just alleviates the, the pressure of change as long as you keep your interface. Okay? So 
I think those two are our main drivers for creating that. And, and, and don't make things overcomplicated. The third thing that I, I believe is fundamental and critical, and I think that we made an amazing job that today can be seen, can be seen in our report on an open platform, is, is to create a sandbox that would allow anyone to play around with the API. But I mean, we try to take this to the next step of just aesthetic data. Yeah, there are many APIs that you can test with some aesthetic data, but we created, like, let's say, like a, a fake backend where you could interact as you would do with a real application, which was challenging at the very beginning, but basically it was a really good deal because you could create your customers, you could create your accounts, you could create your cards, you could send money. So it, it gave any developer the possibility to create an, a solution that would be based on those APIs on this sandbox that would allow you to, to move on. And this was not so widely available in that moment. I mean, there were some leading companies that had something like that, but you could not see that in a financial institution, okay? So, so leveraging that capability of a very complex backend into something that was lightweight enough to be integrated is also a good option. So if someone needs to build API, this would be very easy. So you could start with some basic aesthetic stuff, but, but then you should create something that looks and behaves like the same backend. And, and there are plenty of technologies also that allow to, to maintain your business logic while you just change the backend without a lot of trouble. So those, those are, have been really helpful for us. Okay, okay, thank you. And uh, another question is about the uh, knowledge sharing and uh, learning, and uh, could you, you know, as a technology leader, uh, probably need to learn many different things. Uh, so, what's your approach here? So, how do you learn? So, do you read books, do you read some media resources, or do you talk to other experts, or do you learn from, you know, actually working and managing people and managing things, or maybe attending conferences? Yeah. What works for you the best? So for me right now, the best has been reading. I read, uh, I read um, online publications. I'm subscribed to as many technical um, platforms as I can just to get the news and just to get all that information to digest it when I can and the, the best way I, I, I can also. I think that this is so, so fast, changing so fast. The pace of changes is so amazing that the best way of learning it is just listening to what's going on. Listening to stories of success, of failure, trying to understand the whys and whats and just compare it with things that you could be doing. So all that part is, is for me, is that my main source of information. The second is, is talking with colleagues. In general, I mean, it's, I talk with a lot of people that I've been along those years. We just share, we talk about what's going on, the direction, what are the thoughts, people that I respect that I know that are in the same, or pursuing the same objectives that I do. Uh, so we have that and, you know, we have some close circle terms that where we share and talk. Lately I've been using that, never been too much a user of that LinkedIn. It has become a, a good also place to find information, to get questions and, and talk to some other folks. And then from time to time attend some conference, perhaps one, one or two a year, where I, at least in my, my interest is around how business and technology are evolving or are addressing existing issues. So 
Mm-hmm. And I also like all the fintech. I mean, I read a lot about fintech. What's happening on the fintech? What's the latest? If it is Facebook with this Libra cryptocurrency or whatever it is coming. I mean, it's just, you know, and just to attend some fintech conference where you can see what the, the people coming to do. And I mean, BBVA has a very, very interesting um, uh, forum, which is the open talent that has been very successful to, to bring companies and where the bank has been supporting them in order to move on. Uh, which which really also shows a lot of progress. So there's even internal a lot of internal channels of communication that are offering and exposing all this. And also the group has a very wide worldwide uh, network of events happening around this that help you understand what's the latest. And I, I would say that in this order, perhaps some of them are not in the right position, but this is the way that I try to be updated about what's going on and uh, what's next. Okay, okay, that's great. And uh, also, do you think it's important for uh, software engineers to, you know, learn on all the inside, uh, inside outs about the finance and uh, about the business domain that they work uh, with, or it's not so important, or you just need to have uh, a, a good product managers who can set all the requirements and explain everything. So what's what's your opinion on that? So, so I mean, there. I mean, depending on the stage of your professional career, okay. when you're starting, you want just to to learn about technology. And the most important thing is to know the latest and and the things that are more applicable to any business domain where you work at. And the truth is that you don't mind a lot about the business. You just try to know what to do and do it the best way with the technology frameworks wherever you have there. And what I've seen is, I mean, let's say that I would give that three to five years if, if uh, about this free will of learning as much as you can. But the truth is that I've seen that more, at least in our industry, more and more, um, the people is very interested in, in how, how things behave. And they start learning about how cars work, how payments work. I mean, in that moment, they are not only, they, they start thinking about how to find a solution to a particular problem by using technology. So I've been very lucky of working with a lot of engineers that excel in understanding the, the mechanics of the business. And they are able to provide the best solution without the constraint of not knowing how to do what, what the business needs. Yeah, so it's kind of, oh, this is how the payments work. So why don't we use this technical solution to address it in a more creative way? In fact, I think that that's also driving a lot of the fintech approach. Like, hey, there's a problem. We learn how it works. We try to find a better way to do that. So internally, I think that the, the, the people that is able to understand the business coming from an engineering area. I, I've seen also the other way around. I mean, someone from the business learning the engineering part, but normally I've seen that taking a longer time. When, when someone really wants to understand how the business is impacted about that, yeah, they, they manage to, to do better solutions, more aligned with the needs, and, and more resilient to time or change. Okay, okay. Yeah, so thank you. And uh, my next question is about the, you know, uh, the technical depth and re-engineering. So when you work, uh, when you develop the software product for a number of years, and you need to support it. So typically, uh, there could be 
a kind of technical depth inside um, and some rework needed and maybe some refactoring or engineering or even re-architecting the, the system or the whole system or the part of the system. But, you know, doing this, uh, it doesn't add the, the business value and uh, additional business features to the product. So how do you mix, uh, so how, how, how do you mix, uh, you know, uh, the elimination of technical depth uh, and uh, the, with the, uh, with developing the additional uh, business functionality? So what's your approach on that? What's your experience on that? Yeah. That's a good question because, I mean, we have faced that the same issue at least a couple of times while I was working in, in, in that big project. So, uh, normally, it's, as the platform grows and you need to build new staff, we, are, we, we were trying to, to just cover that gap, to cover that technical debt by financing it with a, with a new development that we need to do. So, our first iteration was a very basic set of services, secure services, but it was not prepared to go out scale. It was more kind of a, let's integrate a couple of customers and see what we learn and, and have this working. And, and at the same time, we always try to put some work within our sprints to design the new stuff. Because, I mean, as long as you have business growth and new customers coming on board, there will be always a requirement and you will need finance to maintain and, and grow the system. That was our base of, of basically deciding what's next. But there was a moment where, I mean, we wanted to add a ton of new APIs and the purpose was to bring a growing set of customers on board to work on that. So we say, okay, in order to do this, we need to re-architect. So it, what, we are, what we are trying always to do is not to add a lot of overhead to that transformation. And luckily for us, our platform has always been built in a very modular way so we could decide where to improve it. And, and, and we use that, that leverage of growing requirements to establish new elements and to grow different pieces and to support it. So with a team of two architects and two DevOps and a lot of developers, we were able to do a lot of things because these were the guys that were really leading the transformation, a very small team, a very fraction cost of the overall solution. And of course, the, the, the developers were a little bit bothered about that many chains and what they had to do, but eventually they saw the value and they were jumping on board. So that was, let's say, that was from a very, very basic solution to, um, to a more mature solution. But I mean, it's, we never stopped there because we wanted to add real-time capabilities to the platform and to way with our parties. Then, so it's like, okay, well, it's, this is a brand new thing. We didn't have that. We need to create this. So again, our iteration that was more, way more oriented to real-time processing of, of events, we had to re-architect a big chunk of it just to gather the information and to manage the event, manage subscription. So we changed that piece, but at the same time, we also leverage the existing pieces in order to be able to be compatible. So they have been like small increments together with big chunks of increment when, when the time was uh, good for us to do so. Uh, we were always trying to, to keep our budget and things at, at a minimum in order to be able to do so. It's very easy when you have to just add a 10% of your budget in order to improve it that when you ask for a 200%.
Yeah, so very interesting. Thank you. And uh, okay, I have a few last questions. Uh, so the one is, uh, so can you tell us uh, what are your plans and what are your strategy concerning maybe partnership with uh, fintech companies? What other features do you want to provide and uh, to launch next? Yeah. So, well, I mean, it's, uh, the bank is actively working through its platform, through the open platform to onboard customers. And I mean, it's, there are plenty of, of companies joining and plenty of companies wanting to use the platform. Unfortunately, I'm not on that part anymore because I pursued some other challenge within the bank. Okay. That, I mean, as it's, it's, it's far as I know, it's, it's, we are being very successful on, on, on getting the attention from the market and from, from attracting all these companies uh, and, and collaborating with them in order to get um, more and more uh, customers using the, the platform that has been there and that has been tested for some other people. So this is now a brand new idea. We have been solidly in the market offering this for at least three years. So it's something mature, it's something growing, and, and it's something that really is getting this distraction. Christina was mentioning to me that I mean, we have been in the media also recently about this platform, and the product manager has been sharing uh, like, I mean, how things are going and how our products are, are being, yeah, bringing new, new customers to, to, to open platforms. So I think that that's happening. It's, we, we build it, and, and now it's, it's getting there attention and attraction to, to onboard new customers. Okay, got it, thank you. Uh, another question is about the time management and uh, you know, as a technology leader, you need to uh, drop on many different tasks and uh, how, how, do, how, do, how do you split your time across different areas of what you need to do? Uh, do you have any specific uh, time management techniques like getting things done or something else? So what's your uh, experience? To, to be frank, I don't. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, I have to yeah. acknowledge that um, my team called me the achiever because, I mean, basically I was there to listen to anything that they could not manage because there were some trouble. So I had to go there and, and try to find which was the roadblock that we had to address it. Okay. And I mean, it's, there was always a plenty, uh, a list of those things. I have my list of tasks to, to do. Everything that could be impacting any release was always top priority. And everything that was along the way was lower priority. So there's no special technique. I mean, it was just, we were having, I mean, like not daily meetings. I mean, I was sitting with, with my technical lead team there. So it was very easy to know what was the pulse and which was the, the issue and which was the impediment to work there. Um, then I was managing all the budgets, and I was also working on, on explaining our platform to, to customers or working with the product management team in order to explain how to do things or address some other stuff. So it was very easy. I mean, I didn't fall, I didn't feel the, the, the pressure about how I'm overwhelmed with a million things to do. There was always a million things to do, no matter what I did. So I was just trying to prioritize what has to be done first because it was more urgent or impacting deliveries. Okay, got it, thank you. Um, so my last question is actually, so could you tell us what the most interesting part of your job and what's, what motivates you the most? 
And also, from the other hand, what is the most boring part of your job? Okay, <laughs> that's easy. So basically, is I I I came to the U.S. from Spain, where I'm where I came from, just because I saw the challenge about creating a, I would say the first API platform, API financial platform okay. that I, I knew in, in in the U.S. Okay, at least. And and to be able to connect the cloud with a financial backend, a real financial backend, uh, was was the, the 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 bigger challenge that I could desire. And and I think it was what what brought me here, what brought me to to do this. And it had to be very rewarding. Learning about how things work in the U.S. first, because I was not as familiar as I was with the Spanish regulations and all that. And then. Uh, I mean, also dealing with a lot of very, very helpful people in the company that have taught me about not as much of the technical aspect as as all the challenges around compliance, legal regulation, and fraud that were mostly 80% of my work to deal with those in order to ensure that our platform could be out, out there with all the benefits and all the approvals of, of everyone. So that was what motivated me. Like, Learning, building a platform from scratch. That I have to announce that we were we started in 2000, late 2014. In 2015, we were in the media sharing our first successful integration of real-time payments with with Duola. So that was really motivating. I mean, that starting was great. Later, the challenge was to keep the ball rolling and to grow it and to allow to get to the next level and bring in more and more customers and all that. So that has been a constant motivation for me. The most challenging part was to explain, I mean, how all these technologies, it was sometimes it was a big drawback to people that are not used to it. And, and they're not even technical. So mentioning the word cloud was like, we were putting all the customers information out there and everyone could access to those. So having to educate sometimes was, was really complicated, okay, because of the lack of familiarity. Uh, but eventually it was great because I mean, it's, the more you talk about it, the more you explain, uh, the more they learn. But definitely, there was a big, big, big challenge during all this process. I thought it was a technical platform, and yes, it is, but it is only part of the job. 